Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is God's word. It is true, and it is given to us out of his love. You may be seated. I'm going to welcome up um, for another week. Caleb Davis is preaching for us from, from True Life Denver, and he's coming on up. Thanks, man. Hey, good to be with you guys again. Uh, if you were not here last week, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna, we're, we're not going to make you do that. But uh, if you weren't here last week, I'm a pastor up in, uh, in Denver, and we're a part of the same family of churches, Acts 29. And uh, if you don't know what that is because you're new, then no, no problem. Um, but uh, it's just good to be with you guys, and we've enjoyed um, getting to partner as churches together in the gospel. And uh, let me just pray as we begin talking today. Uh, the, also, just so you know, the, the title of the sermon on there is wrong uh, because I just changed it. Not like 10 seconds ago, but I changed it after I sent it. So let me pray. Father, thank you that uh, we can spend some time together today looking at your word and talking about what life with you looks like and what life with each other looks like, and I pray that as we, um, as we do this, God, that you would speak to our hearts, whatever it is that we need and whatever we need to uh, experience from you, whatever that may be, that you would uh, work, Holy Spirit, in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Um, one of the things that I was looking at uh, when I came in early, uh, earlier today is just some kids kind of playing around here on the wall, and they were... Uh, jumping up and down the wall, and they were asking each other how old they were and proving how old they were also, because sometimes kids, you know, don't believe how old each other are. Go ask my dad. I promise. It's how old I am. Um, and they were, they were just kind of messing around, and I, and I was, as just kind of the beginning of what I want to talk about today, it was reminding me how true this is, even from an early age, that all of us really long for meaningful connection. I mean, that starts when we're little kids, that you don't want to just go play by yourself in the corner. Even, you know, some kids are more introverted and like to do that, but, but we long to, to be meaningfully connected with other people. And that starts even from just a little age. You don't have to tell kids to want to play with other kids. You don't have to tell them to want to climb on walls with other kids. They just, they want to do that together. And then you get a little older and we maybe join sports teams and join other teams because we want to be connected with other people. And maybe you go to college and you want to be in different clubs with other people. And, and sometimes that starts to fade away because of different things that have happened in our lives that we kind of get a little more insular and we don't necessarily want to be as deeply connected with other people, but it's still there under the surface because we're, as we talked about last week, we're people people, that we're community people, and we do long to be meaningfully connected with other people. We long for that. We want that. That's something that's just kind of a universal human thing across the world, across the globe. It's not an American thing or a, or a Colorado thing. It's just kind of a human thing that we long to be meaningfully connected with other people. And Part of that is we know that in order to do, to do that, we have to let ourselves be known, right? We have to be vulnerable. 
if we want to be meaningfully connected, we have to be able to say, hey, here's who I am. And to actually let people see us and actually let people know us. But what happens is, if we want to be meaningfully connected, and we know the way to do that is, and I got to let people really know me. I have to let people really see who I am. That's scary, right? I mean, that's a scary kind of thing to do because we fear being rejected by other people. We, because we want to be meaningfully connected. So then the fear is, well, what if they would reject me if they did see me? If I want to be meaningfully connected, I've got to be able to let people know me. But if I let people know me, then what if they would reject me? If I really let people in, what if they start to see the stuff that I know is there? What if they see that I'm not as smart as I kind of appear to be, or I'm not as strong as I appear to be, or I'm not as uh, put together as I appear to be, or I'm not as Christian as I appear to be, or I'm not as intelligent or successful or whatever it is. I mean, you know that, you know, you, you have certain things in your house that you don't want other people to see, right? When we clean up, when other people come over and maybe lock certain things even. And we do the same thing just in our own life, right? That we long for and want meaningful connection. But we know in order to get meaningful connection, we have to let people see us and know us. But we're afraid to do that because what if they see us and know us and then would reject us? Which then defeats the whole purpose of we want and long for meaningful connection. And so what happens is we hide, right? And we hide in different ways. We hide either by just kind of holding people at a distance. So we may be around people, but we're not really connected. We hide in ways that we just kind of always put forth our best, always project, I am together, everything is good, everything. Man, I've been around people that are going through the worst stuff in their life, and still on Facebook, it looks like they are, you know, just Mr. and Mrs. America, you know. And we long to be meaningfully connected we know to do that, we have to show people who we are, but we're afraid that they would reject us. And not for no reason, because people have actually probably done that to us in the past, right? And we long to be connected, but we're scared that we would be rejected, so we hide in different ways. And look, men and women, this isn't, I mean, this is not a female thing, which oftentimes guys can think it is. Oh, I don't care. People, they don't like me. They can just look at me. And No, that's not true. You're, you're scared too. You're scared that people would see Maybe you're, not, maybe you're not really as strong as, as you show people you are. Maybe you're, maybe you're not as good as your job as you want people to think you are. Maybe you're not as good of a husband and father as you want people to think you are. And so we hide. But then what ends up happening is this. It's tiring. It's tiring to pretend. It's tiring to always put your best foot forward. That's why people you know, can date for a while, but no one wants to be in dating purgatory where you're always just always have to look my best. I always, you know, people talk about marriage in this way of like, I can let my hair down, finally. You know, this is me with my hair let down, you know, I, so that's more of a girl expression, I guess, because guys don't really let their hair down, you know, it just kind of goes away or it's, or it's there, you know. I can finally let my hair go all the way down to its roots, you know, I guess that's what guys say. Uh, but it's, you know, we, we, We've experienced this tiring aspect of pretending and it gets kind of worn out or we experience being unloved because if you're always impressing or you're always kind of putting your best foot forward, you don't really feel loved because you feel most loved when people really experience the worst of you and still love you. But if you're always kind of hiding, you don't really feel loved and, and maybe you don't even feel helped 
Because what if you actually have stuff going on in your life? You actually have suffering or, or weakness, but you're projecting strength and you're projecting everything's okay, but then you don't ever experience help. You don't experience love. You don't experience help. Maybe not even prayer. Because if everything is great, you don't ex get to experience those aspects of people entering in and experiencing the deep, meaningful connection that we long for. And so what happens is this. We might know a lot of people, but we're not really connected. We might be able to even have a lot of people in our lives impressed, but we're not really connected. We might be really safe, but we're disconnected. See, we long for meaningful connection. But in order to have meaningful connection, we know we have to let people see who we are. But if we let people see who we are, we're afraid that we might get rejected. So then we hide. So it's this vicious cycle where, man, how can I actually get the thing I want when I'm afraid that if I do what's necessary to make that happen, if I actually am vulnerable, then I'll lose the very thing I want. So the, the question that I want to talk about then is, oh, we already looked at that one, this one, which is how can we then grow in vulnerability? If the way to experience meaningful connection is to let people see us and know us, but that's really difficult and hard, how can we grow in that if that really is the pathway to experiencing that? I'm not naive to think that this is just easy. I mean, several of you are probably already very skeptical and cynical because you've tried it and it's difficult. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. How can we grow to be vulnerable? This is hard. It's hard because in order to be vulnerable, what that means kind of just inherently is you let people see your weakness. You let people see the different parts of you that are weak, whether that's character stuff that's there, or it's past, or it's suffering, or it's just, and just the reality of life. It's a mess. How do we grow? Because that's a difficult thing to do to let people see your weakness. It's difficult in part because all communities that we know in life are usually built on strength. Right? You, don't, you don't apply for a job and the community of the coworkers there, you know, people ask you, usually you've had a job interview, maybe some of you have had one recently, and um, go in for an interview and they ask you, hey, t you know, share with us your greatest strengths and what, what, you know, what are some of your, your weaknesses? What do people share when they share with me? It's like, man, I'm too much of an overworker. That's my weakness. No one shares, you know, I overeat a lot. Or I have a horrible relationship with my parents and it causes a lot of emotional stress. So once in a while you might see me crying at my desk. I mean, no one shares that, right? No one's like, hey, here's my, oh, you want to know my weakness? Okay. I mean, because work, it's really built on your strength, right? I mean, you, you don't, on your resume, you don't put your weaknesses on there. I mean, the community of work is built on strength. What do you bring to the table? I mean, the community, even just social clubs, I mean, I, I don't know what they have down here, but if you're involved in any social club, you, you don't, I mean, you don't say, hey, look, I'm really messed up in this area, in this area, in this area. Can I join your club? Hey, I am really bad at golf. Can I be on the team? Man, the last several times, I, I mean, you, you always put your best for. Communities are built on strength, right? And communities, whether that's work or social clubs or even the church, right? When we think about the Christian community, we usually think a Christian community is defined by its strength. I mean, what, what is it that's supposed to define a Christian community? What would you say? Love, right? I mean, most people, it's not a trick question. I mean, most people would say it's love, right? 
That's what defines a Christian community, and that's a strength, right? We would say what defines a Christian community is love or, or maybe holiness in some way, that we're like Jesus or something like that. And those are strengths, and we say so communities are built on strength. Communities are built on people putting their best foot forward. Communities are built on something that we have to bring to the table. And so then if we talk about vulnerability, how can I grow in vulnerability? If we talk about that, that's really difficult. Because that's saying, come with weakness. But if, if community that we know and experience is actually built on strength, how can, we, how can we be vulnerable? How can we show weakness? Sometimes this is what actually keeps people away from the church. Because people think, man, I'm not like that loving or holy, so I couldn't be a part of that community. It's built on those strengths. Sometimes people even charge Christians with hypocrisy because they say, hey, your community is supposed to be defined by these strengths. And yet, I'm seeing character flaws, and I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing this. So how can we grow in vulnerability, which means to show your weakness? How can we grow in that when the community that we are used to experiencing is built on strength? The only way is if we actually open up the Bible and see that it says weakness is actually a virtue. Even though when we think of Christian community, often we think of the strengths and it's supposed to be defined by these strengths, what the Bible actually says is that the Christian community, unlike any other community, is defined by weakness. That the virtue, it's a virtue to be weak in the Christian community. That the thing that actually brings everybody together is a shared weakness. I mean, this is why Jesus, over and over again, when he came, what did he say? He said things like, I came for the lost. I came for the sick. I came for the blind. I came for the broken. I came for those that are far from God. I mean, he didn't come saying, I come for the strong. I come for, I come for the healthy. I come for the... And as, if you're a Christian and you've been of one for a while, you know that. But do you see how different that is from every other community? That what actually defines it, what we actually share isn't, hey, we all bring love to the table or we all bring holiness to the table or we all bring Christ-likeness to the table. No, what we all bring to the table is lostness and brokenness and blindness and sinfulness. In the Christian community, weakness is actually a virtue. It's actually what defines us. So here's how we read this verse earlier, but here's how Paul says it when he's writing to the church. He says, and, and look at this, and I, and I would say the same to us today. Paul says, consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Consider it. That means think about this reality. It means don't, don't just let this pass you by. Meditate on this. Let, consider this truth. Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Here's what he's saying. Look, a lot of you are dumb. I mean, it, he says, look, not a lot of you are very smart. And now aren't most communities, or there's certain communities, education communities or different kinds, of, that are built on you bring your wisdom to the table, right? He says, look, a lot of you, you're not very smart. And then he says, and you're not very powerful. Some communities, maybe those are sports communities or work communities, you come with your power. And he says, look, you're not, you're, you're not very powerful. And your parents, let's not even talk about them. 
I mean, you're not of noble birth. I mean, this is the opposite of self-esteem, right? I mean, he's starting with saying, look, not a lot of you are intelligent, strong, or have a good upbringing. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the one. God shows what is weak. What's he talking about when he's saying God shows what is up? God shows what's foolish up. God shows fools. God shows weak people. God shows what is low and despised. So, I mean, do some of you feel dumb? Do some of you feel unpowerful? Do some of you feel like, man, I came from a crazy family? Do some of you feel low? Do some of you feel despised? God shows what is low and despised in the world. Next one. Even the things that are not. And that's, now he's getting as low as it gets. You ever feel like nothing? Even the things that are not. To bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So he says this, look, Christian community is defined by the fact not that you're wise or strong or have a good upbringing or you have a, a highness about you or confidence about you. It's actually defined. Consider your calling, brother. Consider your calling. God called people that were nothing. That way none of us boast. What that means is inherently the Christian community is built on, as Paul says, weakness. How can we grow in vulnerability? Back to that question. How, how can we grow in vulnerability? See, it's really difficult because usually the communities that we know and that we experience, even Christian community, is built on strength. But what Paul teaches us, what Jesus taught us, is that the Christian community is actually one that is inherently defined by the fact that we're weak. I mean, if any of you are Christians, you confess that Jesus is your Savior. What does that mean if not that we are weak? What does that mean if not that we need something outside of us and we have weakness? We do not have strength. Paul says this is actually how Jesus built it. He chose what is low and weak and foolish and ignoble to build a community. How can we be vulnerable? How can we grow in vulnerability? Only if we understand that the defining attribute of the Christian community, different from all others, is our weakness. So what does this do to the Christian community? How, how is it, next question here, how does this lead to meaningful connection? Because if that's what we long for, even since we were little kids playing on walls, even if that's dissipated in some way in us, even if we've pushed that down because of hurts and we get into this cycle of I want to be meaningfully connected, but to do so I have to show my vulnerability, and if I show that, then people might reject me, so then I hide, but then I don't have meaningful connection, and then people don't really know me. 
what the Bible says is we can grow in vulnerability by seeing our weakness, but then how does that actually shape us to lead to meaningful connection? How does that shape us to lead to meaningful connection? See, there's this thing where I've heard it said before by others that what we all want is to be known and loved. But if we're just known and not loved, that's what we all fear, right? If we're just known but not loved, that's what we fear. We fear that people would really know us and then go, don't love you. But to be loved and not known, that's just shallow. People say, I love you. You're great. You're wonderful. They don't really know you. That's shallow. We want to be loved and known. And each of those by itself is painful. Each of those by itself is not enough. So how can we experience being loved and known, which is what we want? See, here's how the weakness leads to meaningful connection. Here's how growing in vulnerability from understanding our weakness leads to meaningful connection. It changes how we present ourselves. Because in the gospel, what we looked at even just earlier, in Paul's verse, he says that in Christ, you have redemption, sanctification. You have these things in him. So here's what this means. You want to be known and loved. And in Jesus, you have that. In him, you have all of the acceptance that we long for. Jesus looks at us and he knows us. He knows the worst, right? He, he sees the very worst that there is and he loves us. Jesus knows us and then loves us. As Paul said in his verse, he, he, he sees that we're foolish. He sees our birth. He sees our weakness. And what does he do? He chose us. That's acceptance that we long for. Paul says that in Christ you have all that you long for. In him you have that. So then we're operating out of a place of acceptance. How how does this lead to meaningful connection? It leads to it because it changes how we show ourselves because we're starting with, I'm already accepted by him. So then I'm allowed to show other people, maybe others will reject you in some way, but you already are operating from a place of, I've been chosen by him in my weakness, in my foolishness, in my sinfulness, I've been accepted by Him. And in Him, I have all that I long for from others. John talks about this in his letter to the church, saying that we should share who we are with others. Here's this verse here that kind of gets at how how being honest and vulnerable leads to deeper connection. He says, if we say, talking about our relationship with God, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Now, here's what's interesting about this verse. It says, look, sometimes we walk in darkness. And darkness can be all sorts of things, but part of what it is is a dishonesty that says, I'm not really letting people see me and know. 
But then he says, if you walk in the light, so if we walk in the dark, if we hide, our fellowship with God is hindered. But if you walk in the light, if you walk in honesty and openness, what happens is not just that your relationship with God is good, but he changes it and says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we would expect him to say, then we'll have fellowship with him. But he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So here, here's what this is saying. Here, here's how vulnerability, here's how letting others know us leads to deeper connection, meaningful connection. We present ourselves. We walk in the light. We walk in the light because we know I've been accepted. So then what we do is, man, nothing is, there's nothing that's getting in the way anymore. We're in the light where he is in the light and we have fellowship with him, but that also creates fellowship with one another. So vulnerability, understanding our weakness, understanding our weakness allows us to experience a deeper connection because we are able and free to present ourselves as who we are. You're able to present yourself as who you are because you know you've already been accepted by him. Even though we fear rejection from others, we know I've already been accepted by him. Even though we fear what will other people think, will they see my faults, we know my faults are not what defines me because Jesus saw my faults and brought me in. So then we can say, here's who I am. Jesus saw me and he accepted me. So I can share who I am with you. Changes how we present ourselves. So this question of how this leads to meaningful connection, how vulnerability, how weakness being a virtue leads to meaningful connection. The first way is that changes how we present ourselves. But secondly, it doesn't just change how we present ourselves. It changes how we respond to others when we see their weakness. See, if we understand how weak we are, I mean, if you really consider your calling, like Paul said, if you really go, okay, man, in my life, there is nothing amazing about me or special about me or powerful about me or noble about me or strong about me or wise about me that Jesus said, man, I got to have you. Instead, it's Jesus looked at my weakness and my foolishness and my sinfulness in my brokenness and said, you're mine. And if we, if we believe that, that changes how we respond. It changes how we present ourselves, but it changes how we respond to other people with weakness. It changes how we respond to other people because the more that we know and consider our weakness, the more compassionate we are with others and their weakness. But see, if we think that Christian community is defined by strength, holiness, and love, and Christ-likeness, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those attributes, but if we think that's how you get in, what that means is when people are not like that, we go, how could you not be like that? You're not being one of us. You're not being how you're supposed to be. And we judge, and we look at weakness with disdain. But the more that we know our weakness, our, look, if you know that you're a fool, don't you have compassion on other fools? I mean, if, I mean, if you know this when you've gone through, look, let's say you've been laid off, then you, have, you start to have compassion for other people that were laid off. But before that, 
maybe you looked at other people that God laid off and that got laid off, not that God laid off, that got laid off. You need to enunciate. Maybe God laid them off. That got laid off. You, you, maybe if you hadn't experienced that, you, you look at them and you go, you weren't working very hard. Anybody can get a job. And then you experience it and you go, oh man, got compassion. Maybe b- before you have kids, sometimes people that don't have kids, we don't, my wife and I don't have kids, but we're around them all the time. But I know some people don't have kids. They look at those that don't have kids and go, man, how, how can you be so disorganized, and not on time? And, and you have kids and you go, oh, it all makes sense now. I have compassion for you, right? So look, if you understand your weakness, if you understand your weakness, it leads to compassion. But when we think, I am loving, we judge those that aren't. I am wise, that's why I'm in, we judge those that aren't. I am righteous, that's why I'm in, we judge those that aren't. We understand our weakness, it leads to compassion. When we understand that I'm more alike than different, that leads to compassion. It leads to meaningful connection because then we don't look at people that are hurting or weak or foolish or sinful and move against them, but rather we move towards them. This is what Jesus does to us. This verse here is one of my favorites that really shows this. It says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You know what this says? Jesus looks at our weakness. And because he himself was a human and experienced what does he do when he sees our weaknesses? Whatever you feel are your weaknesses, Jesus looks at those and sympathizes with them. It means even if they're wrong, he still goes, I get it. I've been there. And so in your weakness, Jesus moves towards you. And the more that we believe that, that Jesus doesn't disdain our weaknesses, but he actually chose us that are weak and he has sympathy for us that are foolish and weak and sinful and his heart is a posture of moving towards, then that changes how we respond to others because we go, man, Jesus moved towards me. Jesus has sympathy towards my weakness. How could I not towards others? Changes how we respond to others, which then leads to meaningful connection. So here's what this means. Here's what this means, just how it is that we experience meaningful connection. We have to more and more see what Jesus has done for us. He didn't choose us because we're great. The more and more that we see that, the more we are free to go, I can let other people know me. And when people really know you, that's what leads to connection. And it opens up who we connect with because we go, man, Jesus moved towards me even though I'm weak and foolish, I'll move towards others. And it leads to meaningful connection. It allows us to share who we really are and accept others for who they really are because that's exactly what Jesus did to us. Imagine a community that's actually like that. Imagine a community that's not actually built on strength but built on weakness. Imagine a community. That's what Jesus wants for us to experience. That's what Jesus wants for you to experience. He wants more than shallow relationships. He wants more than hiding 
pretending. He wants more than posture of strength. He wants more for us. He wants us to be meaningfully connected to him, to each other, and to start with weakness. Look, you know, here's what's amazing. You know, that's how Jesus actually allowed us to be meaningfully connected to him, is he became vulnerable. He said, I want to be so meaningfully connected to you that I will share and become weak. He became human. Jesus said, I want to be meaningfully connected to you. And it works the same way with God as it works with each other. The only way to actually have that happen is you have to become vulnerable. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I will become vulnerable to the point of becoming human. I will become despised. I will become foolish and weak in the world's eyes. I will be born of not a noble birth. Why? To become vulnerable so I can meaningfully connect with you. So that then you can meaningfully connect with me and one another. If you want to experience meaningful connection with other people, this is power. This is what Jesus has done for us. So let's take some time to talk about this now. One of the things, as you know, if you've been here for a while, that at Missio Day, that you guys do, it's a value, is actually taking time to process things as they're talked about. So we're going to uh, spend some time around tables for a little bit talking about these ideas.